Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's show, Manchester! We have loved the fact you've been loving and enjoying our podcast, so please share it to your friends and uh, press a few likes and subscribes and all that jazz, because we really like doing it, don't we? Tell the world, tell the world, for we are here with your Manchester! And have we got a show for you? Have we? Yeah. All right. Well, of everything that's going on in the world, we've been looking at the workers. But what about the volunteers? How have they been faring during this time? We found out by speaking to Mr. Josh Sanderson-Kirk. Now, you have joined us today because there's a a bit of an issue that's been ongoing that I really wanted to discuss with people because we focus so much on uh, the actual employed workers. And I think what we've tend to have forgotten recently is volunteers. Now, this is, of course, the Village Angels, which has been going now for around about 10 years. And for those of you who don't know, the Village Angels are basically a group of volunteers that parade around the village and um, they basically are there for anybody that needs them. So yeah. they're like your point of call for anything. And you were part of them for how many years? I was a Village Angel for six years. Six years. And uh, what made you get into joining the, the Angels? So I joined the Angels uh, because I spent a lot of time on Canal Street and socialising. I played for the Manchester Village Spartans, one of the rugby teams based in the village. And uh, one of our players was being attacked in the village. Um, and he was helped by the Angels. The Angels had a lot of first aid and support in that way. And he was helped by them. So that sort of filtered out for me. I thought it's a great way of spending my Friday nights um, uh, by joining the Angels and putting my skills to good use. Uh, so I joined, I joined them to, get, to do some good. Uh, oh, sorry, what is it they actually, how would you describe the role that the Angels do? So we support anyone who was, who's vulnerable in the gay village. So whether that's vulnerability is, is um, you know, their mental health. We see a lot of that. Or it's um, their physical health. So lots of um, first aid provided. Um, but anything, you know, anything up to that. So just help, helping someone get home um, safe in a taxi is often the first point of call. But it does escalate to all sorts of things that run out there. Now, you got in touch with us because you said that you had been an angel for, for so long. Obviously, we've all been suffering from the pandemic that hit us this year. And that meant that, you know, the angels stopped working because obviously the village closed down. Um, and you've made the decision now, now that we're all back up and running, um, to, to leave the angels. Now, why would that be when, you know, it's obviously something you've been quite passionate about? Yeah, um, it's not much of myself, it's, it's 12, 12 angels in total that decided to resign. Um, we resigned because we don't have any confidence anymore in the ability of the leadership. So the leadership is provided by the LGBT Foundation, which is a, a you know, charity that works in Manchester. Um, we don't have any confidence in, the, in, the, in their ability to make sure that volunteers and services are safe, um, especially now that the uh, COVID crisis is happening. We've had situations in the past where PPE, so things simply like gloves, weren't available. Um, and they're thinking of reopening the Angels, restarting the project on Saturday. And, and we're really concerned for the safety of the volunteers who remain and the safety of people we deal with. Uh, because of that lack of lack of uh, PT, but also particularly because of lack of training. No additional training happened over the COVID period around infection control, around putting PP on effectively. And, and when we're talking about PPE, we're not talking about a mask and a pair of gloves, which is what perhaps we might have used prior to COVID. The risk assessment that one of our uh, fellow volunteers who was a nurse, who has now resigned and, and sold out with us, said is that those volunteers need to be wearing two, two layers of gloves, He's wearing surgical masks, he's wearing a visor, he's wearing um, a gown, and he's wearing long sleeve uh, uh, tops. 
and that, we don't think that's going to be available. And we're really worried about that, and, and we tried to have a conversation with the foundation, and that has been dismissed. So I do have to ask, though, they're obviously relaunching on the on the twelfth um, with fifty volunteers still. Um, what what would you be suggesting to them as to a reason to to be volunteering? I, I would I would suggest that um, that fifty volunteer figure is entirely wrong. Um, that's not the case. As as we said, twelve twelve volunteers have resigned. Um, I would I would suggest that from what we've seen from people we've spoken to looking at more like three or four volunteers are going to be going out on Saturday. Um, and, and again, when, when you're thinking about a normal team of volunteers on a Saturday and Friday night, you're looking at eight Village Angels and plus four, three or four in the Haven as well. Um, so those figures are massively down. And we would just dispute the idea that 50 volunteers are still active with Village Angels. It's not, it's not the case. Now, you talked then about having no response because obviously what we'd expect you to do is kind of you know, to ask the LGBT Foundation about what they were going to do, but you've written an open letter, am I right? That's correct, yeah. We've put an open letter um, alongside our individual resignations for personal reasons. We sent those directly to the Foundation. The open letter was sent to the Foundation um, on Friday, last Friday, uh, before we uh, before it was put on Facebook and made public to the village. But we felt that the, the reason we needed to explain to the village is that it's very easy to sweep these things under the, under the carpet, and that's appears to be what the foundation is trying to do. We were really keen that the people that really uh, we really care about, so the service users, the bar staff, the security staff, the drag queens on the doors, they're the people we deal with every week. And we're really we're really uh, sad that they haven't seen us in so long, but we're really sad also that we won't see them in the future. We felt the need to explain that to them. But again, we are going to see the angels, though, aren't we? We are going to see them in the future. And presumably, there's such a big foundation that's affiliated uh, to the police, to the ambulance service, to the GMCA. Obviously, with all this that's been going on, there must have been additional training put in place for the new volunteers. As far as, far as we're aware, speaking to the volunteers who designed and also volunteers who remain, there's been no additional training whatsoever. Um, yes, they are affiliated with the police. The funding comes from uh, the Great Monster Combined Authority. And we're really concerned that um, that funding is, is being spent in a way that's not it's not making those volunteers safe. So we've reached out to as many people as we possibly can. We had a meeting on Monday with the, the Business Association and the Foundation, uh, where we put our point to them. They they tried to find some assurance of this that this was happening, but we've seen no evidence whatsoever of that. Um, and, and that's what we're concerned. Gosh. I mean, Belinda, you approached the foundation to try and get yeah. them. Like a comment or a statement just so we could try and get to the bottom of this for you josh and see if, if we could help uh, as well and and this was their response yeah so we, we spoke to a, a few people at the lgbt foundation and first of all what they'd like to do is express their uh, deepest thanks to all the angels uh, past and present and uh, they've also sent us a quote from uh, somebody called kane and uh, kane's quote um, that's been sent to us says i have been a volunteer uh, with the Village Angels at the LGBT Foundation for the past 15 months, and I can't speak more highly of the team and the work we do to save lives every weekend in Manchester's gay village. Throughout my time, I have felt totally supported by the staff and other volunteers at the LGBT Foundation, and they have helped me through grief and with my own gender issues. I personally reject the open letter as my experiences do not reflect the opinions stated, which are definitely one-sided and do not reflect the views of the majority of the active volunteers. Um, they're so excited and eager um, 
to return on the 12th of September. And uh, please come and say hi if you do see any of the angels out in the village. Uh, I'm sure you'd, you'd join with me in um, wishing the new angels the, the best of luck. And obviously you want the service to con continuing as professional as you had it when you were kind of supervising. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, um, we're no one will speak more highly of the service than myself and Louise and all the other angels who've resigned. We, we feel really deeply about this project. This is a difficult decision. This is the, the end of a, a very long project. But in terms of people who design, looking at about 35 years of collective experience uh, within the angels adding up. Um, and no one has taken decision lightly. Of course, some people have decided to stay, uh, and we respect them, and there are some great angels who are staying. But we'd also say that um, the, reason, the reason we have resigned is, is for them, is to, is to help them be safe. Uh, and of course, we wish them luck, but we're, we're, we're really concerned. And the message we have for foundation is don't restart on the 12th. Wait until we've fixed these issues and, and properly trained staff and volunteers, and then and then restart with everything together. And because the door is always open to, to dialogue and to communication, and the open letter was our last resort, but we're always open to that, that conversation. Will you be going along to the village on the you know on the 12th just to check out if they are doing the right thing just to just to put your mind at rest and and if you did see them you know wearing the right pp and doing the right things do you think that you would consider going back I, i'd always consider going back i would consider going back under certain circumstances lots of ages have said that in terms of going down on the 12th i'm not sure that would be appropriate that's not the kind of environment we're, we're wanting to create we, we want to give those volunteers the time and space to do what they need to do um, but in terms of going back um under a different circumstances under a different structure with better management absolutely we'd, we'd, we'd love to return and i know a lot of the volunteers for that experience would be happy to go back if uh, it was different oh, well thank okay. you well nate just with um josh just before you go we've had a comment from nate parker that we'd like to to share with you let's have a read of this uh, nate parker says as an angel myself i can't wait to get back out uh, just a comment that josh and those who have resigned won't be told about any future training or information that is going to happen. How does that make you feel, Josh? Um, we're concerned. As I said, you know, in terms of the people who resigned, um, I have a great deal of respect for Nate. Um, you know, but if we're talking about the people who resigned, we're talking about the two most uh, experienced shift leads who provide. You know, we provide a lot of that training ourselves. We're talking about the two nurses who we had on board. They both resigned. So, in terms of not letting us know and uh, about the about the future training, I think that's really worrying. Um, you know, it talks to a culture in the foundation where they'd rather shut things down and not tell the world what's going on. And that's the reason why we've had to release this open letter than actually being open and honest about the failings, because there are some failings and we've tried to fix them. Uh, and it's come to this. Well, Josh, it, it's uh, always lovely to speak to you. Yeah. You obviously got your, your points. Um, but just before you go, though, the LGBT Foundation, the Angels, is only one portion of the LGBT Foundation, isn't it? Uh, would you agree with me that the service they are providing to, to the outer world there is absolutely fantastic? Absolutely. We, we, you know, there are some incredible services at the foundation. Um, and one of the things that we're really sad about is that um, our open letter has been jumped on by a lot of people to criticise the foundation. And that's not what we want. We want, we want the problem to be fixed. We, want, we, we really care about this project and we care about the foundation. We love, we love it. No one, no one is more um, active in promoting the foundation than myself and some of the angels. Um, um, we're, we're sad about that. 
Well, we really hope that this can be resolved in I some really way do. because you both sound, you know, great on both sides and uh, you know it'd be nice for you all to be reunited soon so anyway thank you so much for getting in touch josh and uh, and hopefully uh, yeah it'll get sorted it's fantastic that the key here for me on both sides is the passion well do you know one thing we have never had on your manchester until now is a band and this time it's going to be very special because we have got the lead songwriter from that band he's called greg the band is glass ankle and here's what he had to say about his indie folk music first of all the name glass ankle yes. where, where does that come from um, my friends called it me uh, while we were playing a, a football match i'm always twisting my ankle and uh, he sort of was like, oh, "You're a you're a glass ankle, or something like, or something like that." And I I don't know. I just thought uh, that might be a good band name, so I like went it. with it. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Very much. You have actually been going for about 10 years, haven't you, as a band? Yeah. Uh, that's a long time. How did you all get together? Um, so uh, Chica, who originally play drums but now she does backing vocals and keys and glockenspiel uh, I first met her about 10 years ago um, I just finished uh, traveling around Japan for a year and teaching over there uh, and then when I got back I thought it'd be good a good idea to um, carry on learning the language and she was my uh, Japanese teacher and it just so happened that we were sort of talking about our hobbies or attempting to, I was attempting to uh, talk about what I liked in Japanese and um, you know, said that I, I, I play music, I like music, I play guitar. And she, she, and she was a drummer and then things just kind of uh, carried on from there. There's been a, um, like various friends that have helped me a lot along the way and um, sort of bring my songs to, to life live um danny plays drums now i met him at, in 2014 and um and then joel he's the latest member to join uh he's been with us about uh, a year most of a lot of that year has been a bit of a new base your yeah. music is indie folk. That's kind of the way to describe it. But I yeah. suppose to give people a bit of an idea of your sound more than that is you've been described as like Bell and Sebastian, a bit like them and, and Gomez. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I can I can definitely see uh, where those comparisons come from. Um, we've got sort of boy-girl harmonies going on. Um, acoustic guitars and sort of a strong emphasis on melody as well within the songs and they're not like uh, they're definitely not uh, kind of high uh, sort of volume songs they're quite mellow and understated so that's where sort of balance the and everything and there is a, sometimes have like a bluesy tinge as well which maybe that's where Gomez comes in that sort of northern sensibilities that just kind of come out so yeah I don't know. I get, I get those. The harmonies are impeccable. They are oh, just the perfect. It's, it's almost like it's one voice. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> now you've, you've received critical acclaim for your, your two EPs that you've released, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, it's been going 
like everything is DIY. Like there's never been a label. Uh, it's always been a, a labor of love, kind of getting the songs out there. Um, I produced them all as well. So yeah, I've been very sort of happy in the, the reviews that have come come back and um, yeah. It, it, well, we are really excited because at the end of the show, we're going to be playing out with your latest song, which is For Another Day. And it's been three years since you've released a, a single. And what prompted you to do it now? Well, um, I've been sort of recording sporadically since then um, with the other guys and then lockdown hit and I think like a lot of other musicians it was sort of a rare opportunity to focus on my music again sort of away from the, the mundane sort of daily chores and other responsibilities so yeah I just I just sort of thought right why not um we did a few kind of live video stuff we did like a a, a um a zoom well uh, a zoom-esque uh, cover of Norwegian Wood and then and then I thought, yeah, let, let's let's get a song out. It'd be nice to get something out. And it's just been, yeah, it just feels like a, just feels great to have a new song out there. And hopefully now it will kind of kickstart some more, some more songs being finished because it's, it's a real backlog. So exactly. um, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to hearing it later on at the show. We're going to be playing out with it tonight, everybody. Yeah. Uh, for the meantime, though, thank you so much for coming on. And fingers crossed, this fantastic band, everybody. Go and check them out. They are all over social media. Absolutely. Glass ankle. Well, it's now time to meet a fantastic actor who's going to be doing something rather wonderful over in Liverpool, wherever that is. He's called Andrew Lancel. You might recognise him from The Bill or Coronation Street. Let's see what he had to say. You're joining us for a very good reason, because as we know, the theatre is really suffering at the moment and me and Belinda are huge fans of the theatre so it's something close to our mm. hearts and you're starring in something which is going to hopefully raise some funds and get people back to the theatre it's a Liverpool theatre festival isn't it yeah but uh, I'm here because Belinda's got some photographs that uh, she said she would share so um, that's the only reason why I'm doing <laughs> no we are you're absolutely right I couldn't have put it better myself on Friday evening uh, Liverpool Theatre Festival, which has been put together by the producer Bill Elms, who was the first producer to pre produce me as Brian Epstein. Um, yeah. a fantastic outdoor event, social distancing, COVID safe, all great. And uh, we've got a week of amazing stuff. And we're starting it with a play by Jonathan Harvey. Uh, he's adapted a one woman play for me to do as a one man play. And Noreen Kershaw, who was original Shelley Valentine, is helping I'm us and directing us. So, there, Andrew, because mm. Noreen Kershaw is the link. This is the link. Now, me and this one here, way back in 1995, did a TV program called Elador. Now, on yeah. that there program, my mother mm -hmm. was Noreen Kershaw. Yeah. Mm. And Noreen Kershaw went on to direct me in an episode of Heartbeat. Are you? It's know. all connected. Well, Noreen, um, she directed a lot of my stuff in Coronation Street. She did all of the, the rape and uh, a lot of the, the big heavy stuff. And we've been friends. And when uh, this all came together in like two weeks, like literally a week or so. And um, um, when when Jonathan said he'd adapted the piece, we both thought about Noreen and she was available. And um, uh, well, most people are available at the minute, to be honest. But uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> 
it's 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 a bit of a dream team. I don't, I don't think this will be the only time we do it. It's a very funny, very moving play. He's a, a Dave Titswell I play, and it's uh, he's going to be recognised by a lot of people. But you know, all Jonathan Harvey's characters are just gifts to play. But apart from the stuff he wrote for me as Frank Foster, I've never done a Jonathan Harvey play before. I'm just wow. looking in the back, actually, how messy the back is, because this is my wife's office, so I bet that again. So, um, uh, there you go. So, um, well, yeah, Jonathan it's great Harvey. fun. I mean, we're up against it. But, hmm? oh, well, I was going to say, if Jonathan Harvey, if our viewers have never heard of him, you know, shame on you. But he's done things like Beautiful Thing. Uh, my favourite is Rupert Street Lonely Heart Club. He's done uh, Babies. He, he's shit up Gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme, 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 yeah. yeah. And also, he, he he writes for Coronation Street now, you know, and, and he is absolutely amazing. So, gosh, to take on... He's, uh, he, he, he's, well, uh, he's probably the one of... I, I'm struggling to think of a more important playwright to come out of Liverpool in the last 20 years or so. He, he's uh, he's very clever. He's absolutely hilarious. Very kind heart as well. He's a good lad. And, uh, yeah, he's lead writer on Corrie, and he writes Call the Midwife as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's very clever. And so this is, though this play was first done as a lady, as it were, in uh, 1996, it's very topical, uh, with particularly what's going on with the education system and isolation. Um, I can see, I keep turning into him because I've been rehearsing him all day. Um, so uh, it, there's some of, the, some of the lines in it I've literally had. You know when you have a meal and the food yeah. is so good, you, you put your fork down. Well, I've yeah. had to like just put. I've had to sit down because I've generally been laughing so much uh, in some of the lines. I'm thinking, can I actually say that? Should I say? Oh no, man, we'll just say it. So, sure, and uh, that, the, yeah, that's going to be really hard because this is a one uh, one woman. It was a one woman. It's a one man play. So if you dry up or you have that moment pause, <laughs> what are you going to do, Andrew? I would imagine I'll do a books fizz medley. Um, you know. <laughs> That's my usual go-to reboot. So, is it daunting doing a, a, a one-man show? It's daunting doing any play, you know, when the script is this good. And it should be. It shouldn't be easy. Um, and, you know, but when you've had four or five days to do it, it's slightly more daunting. Um, uh, but, yeah, but there'll be a lot of love in the room, in the open air, as it were. I mean, it's at the bombed-out church in Liverpool. And, um, you know, it's it's a perfectly uh, placed environment. It's a famous venue in Liverpool. It's the Bombed Out Church, Bombdy, as it's known as. So um, hopefully, and the stuff all week, the stuff all week. We've got uh, Danny Taylor's doing his Tommy Cooper show. The Slaughterhouse is there. Steve Royal, who's in the, um, you know, he's a final, who's in finalist in Britain's Got Talent. He's there on Saturday. So uh, it's proper. Yeah. It's like a mini Edinburgh been put together. It's, it's amazing. And of course, you know, no one knows what's going on in this mad world. And the one thing no. we do miss is theatre. And so uh, this is this is hopefully the start of it. Let's hope we can get back in there soon. And you've put it together in super fast time, haven't you? Well, Bill has, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, very, very quick. But that, because they keep U-turning, because they keep changing the rules, I mean, I don't understand how you can get on a plane with a mask, but you can't go and sit in a theatre. I, yeah. I don't get it at all. Uh, there's contradictions and new turns left, right and centre. And, hey, thank God we've got strong leadership. But um, uh, I, I think, you know, we are all in it together. And um, this is temporary. You know, everyone's going to remember this is permanent. I was down in London the other day and it was just, there's no one around. And though it was no. quite beautiful to see everything, you know, it's not the norm. And we mustn't think it's the norm. And a few months in the scheme of a lifetime, you know, is, is fine. 
But unfortunately, there are many casualties, and I think the theatre industry is one of the biggest casualties so far. And um, so anything like this is really important, and it just proves that people want to see theatre. You know. Absolutely. Last time I saw you was at the theatre. Last time I saw you was at the palace. We had a nice little drink afterwards, didn't we, Flower? Silla. Silla the musical. We got a bit tipsy afterwards. Did you know? That's why those photographs, that's what happened. Yeah, that's where I've got that picture. I'll show you when we get off air. It's quite amazing. I am quite proud of it, really, in many ways, because it's never done that since. No. Tell us the story. What's the story? Uh, well, he's just this, uh, he's a teacher in 1996, 1997s. He's in Liverpool. He's in a really, you know, rough and hard comprehensive. He's been there for 25 years, stuck on middle management. Uh, he winds people up. He's got a gallery of characters who kind of come and, uh, and he thinks are the, you know, his closest friends, but really not many people like him. But you can't help not liking him hopefully in this play he's funny he's very quick-witted uh and there's a lot of pathos in there that's what jonathan does brilliantly he's like a seesaw isn't he um yeah. and and so uh he has his eyes on uh, a member of staff um a, a school a, t- a new teacher joins his school and is quite flirty with him and so he just sees it as you know his new potential partner in crime and life and they go away together to the lakes on a school trip um and that's when it all happens. Well, what a fantastic show that was. Well, it was quite a mixed bag, wasn't it? We had a bit of a confrontation. Ooh. Oh, there was loads going on. Oh, a heated debate. I love it. We had some music and we also had a fantastic actor in Andrew. So lots in store. We know we've got loads more to share next week. And if you missed the show, you can always catch up on this very podcast. Indeed you can. So make sure you tell everybody all about this lovely podcast. It's here every single week for you. And Everything's going on for you. It's marvellous, it's wonderful. It's only on... Your Manchester, the best bits.